Good afternoon, baseball fans. It is Monday, January, just kidding, February 5th. February, <laughs> we have moved on to another month. Uh, we we get to see baseball. We get to see baseball this month. This month, MLB baseball. Woohoo! Very excited. Well, very excited. About February that just hits differently. I'm so oh, glad. Oh, I'm so excited. Apparently, I'm so excited that I didn't even know that it was February. Anyways, uh, February 5th, guys. This is season two, episode 57 or 58, I think, of Bourbon and Baseball, All the Balls edition. I am Susie. That is Kelsey. It's Bourbon and Baseball, like I said, uh, but we don't have any. We don't have any bourbon because it is in the afternoon and we have many, many things to do. Uh, Just hot this, tea and hot takes. Kelsey, Kelsey has hot hot tea and hot takes. Um, I have some water. And away we go. We're going to hit it hard, hit it fast. That's what she said. And uh, we're going to get it right into this. A disclaimer before we get into it, though. This is a rated R podcast for all of the adult content, not the not the paid kind, unfortunately. Just the uh, all of the language, all of the four four letter words, and inappropriate adult humor that you will most likely hear out of me. So if um, f bombs are not your thing, this is probably not the the podcast for you. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can get any sort of baseball talk elsewhere without the expletives. But here you will find all of the expletives because that's just how I roll as a person. Anyhow, with that, away we go. Kelsey, we've got lots of things to cover today. So we're just going to start right off with our 40-man find. Would you like to start that off with explaining what that is and who your guy yes. is? So there are 40 men on each of the 30 Major League Baseball team rosters, and we have made it our mission to tell you about one that you might not hear about otherwise, or you might not know a lot about otherwise, especially if you're not following the team. For each of the 30 teams, we have started with the teams with the worst records. We're working our way up to the teams with the best records. We're right about in the middle right now. We're going to tell you about the Minnesota Twins and the Cubs today. I am covering the American League teams. Susie has got the National League teams so that we can get to know a little bit more about players that we might not be as familiar with considering our fandoms lie in the opposite leagues. So we have made it to uh, the Minnesota Twins for me today. And I'm going to tell you about one of the newest Minnesota Twins. And that is Leslie Arnold Thompson, or as you might know him, Bubba Thompson. He was born on June 9th of 1998, and he attended McGill Tulin Catholic High School in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, okay. He actually played baseball and football in high school and was very good at both. Um, actually, during his senior year in football, he led his team to the Class 7A state title game, and he passed for, I don't know if this is good, maybe you can tell me, Susie, maybe one of our listeners can tell me, but he passed for 3,173 yards and 38 touchdowns. I'm being legit when I ask, is that good? Because I have absolutely no concept, but it must be because it was notable in the news. So I, I think it, I think it is good. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 3000 yards is, uh, is, 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 a is a, a lot. It's a lot. Where's Tom and when you need him? He actually was right. Tom, are you there? Let us know. Please. Drop a comment. But he actually was teammates in high school with a future NFL wide receiver, Jalen Tolbert, who Tolbert, I don't, again, not familiar, we're, but we're not, we're not football you. girlies here. So listeners, yeah. if you, you two people drop them in the comments, like, is that good? What, what's, what's your normal average? We don't, we don't know these things. We're, we're I'm just establishing girls. his credibility as a, an elite athlete overall here for you. This is true. He was considered one of the top prospects for the 2017 Major League Baseball draft, and he was drafted by the Texas Rangers with a 26th overall pick in the first round of the draft. So he officially signed with the Rangers a few days after the draft, and he spent the whole season with the AZL Rangers. Not sure where they're at, but that must be like their, their rookie league. So he spent the whole season there, batted 257 in 113 at-bats with three home runs and 12 RBIs in 30 games. And then one of the best things about learning about Bubba Thompson today is he's played for a lot of fun minor league teams. So he spent 2018 with the Hickory Crawdads, which is the Ooh. single A team for the Rangers, slash 289, 344, 446, and 332 at-bats. He's got eight home runs there, 42 RBIs, and 32 stolen bases in 39 attempts. And that is something you're, you're going to notice here. A constant with Bubba Thompson is he is fast. 
fast. Running through the minor leagues. So he was actually ranked number 48 overall in baseball by baseball uh, prospects, which is something that's a big point of conversation right now since all of that is coming out. So that was preseason of 2019. He was number 48 on that top 100 list. And then he was ranked uh, 108 overall prospect by fan graphs prior to 2019 as well. Now he's going to go to high A with the Down East Wood Ducks Ooh. in 2019. <laughs> he does spend some time on the injured list, but uh, he ends up coming back, still gets to play a little bit, not slashing quite as well. Uh, 178, 261, 312 in, in 202 at-bats. But he still had five home runs, 21 RBIs, and 12 steals and 15 attempts. Still running. He does play for the Arizona Fall League this season for the Surprise Cigaros. Oh, and he was actually named Cigaros. Cigar- What's mm-hmm, a Cigaro? Yeah. Do you know? It's a cactus. It's a type of cactus. That oh, I do know. Oh, I see their logo now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a cute little Don't cactus me. in a cowboy yes. hat. Uh, but he was actually named a Fall League All-Star. Oh, so okay. Cool. He is one of these guys who I feel like we've talked about a lot in our 40 man fine segment who was maybe set back a little bit by the cancellation of the 2020 minor league baseball season due to obviously the pandemic, but he spent play, you know, in 2020. And you think about just with something that is so time specific, like there's a very small window of time for all of these guys. And it's so like circumstantial and the timing is, is really such a big part of it that, we all have things in 2020 that we're like sitting back. And I mean, I got married in 2020 for God's sake. I had six people at my wedding. I was supposed to have 200, but for these guys, like career wise, it's just gotta be so hard to be like, right. What happened? And we can't think about what if, but regardless, Thompson spent the 2021 season with the Frisco rough riders in double a, and he's back hitting 275, 325, 483 and 429 bats. He's got that pop with 16 home runs, 52 RBIs, and 25 stolen bases in 33 attempts. This year in 2021, he is named the co-winner of the Rangers True Ranger Award, which I'm guessing is probably their like minor league award, minor league player of the year type of award. Oh, okay. He's coming on up to AAA in the 2022 season with the Round Rock Express. Man, these Texas minor league teams have all the best names. The, the Astros yeah. have really good ones, too. In AAA, he slashes 304, 355, 474 in 346 at-bats, 13 home runs, 48 RBIs, and 49 stolen bases in 52 attempts over just 80 games. So he's stealing a, a base in over half of the games that yeah. he's playing. That's a lot. Sick. So on August 4th of 2022... Texas selects Thompson con- Thompson's contract and promotes him to the active roster to make his major league debut versus the Chicago White Sox. His first career hit is a bunt single off of Johnny Cueto. We love to see it. His first home a run single, however, and then and then did he and then did he steal second after he got to first? Oh, that's a good question. I sure as hell hope so. I mean, with somebody like Bubba Thompson, that's. That's exactly what you want to see. Get on base and then make the magic happen. But I think this is like a constant that I keep picking guys who have their first home run or their first hit off of Astros. So I'm sorry, but no, you're not. I think you're doing it. I think you're doing it kind of on purpose, but not really like maybe subliminally subconsciously. There we go. Subconsciously. That's the sub word I'm looking for. But Bubba Thompson had his first home run. It was a solo shot off of Framber Valdez of the Houston Astros in 2022. Yeah. He he made himself known. He made his presence known. He definitely held his own in the 2022 season with the Rangers, slashing 265, 302, 312 in 170 at-bats, 18 steals, and 21 attempts. And he had an 85.71 percentage stole, sorry, 85.71 percent stolen base percentage which was the eighth best in the american league and he played primarily left field he can play all of the outfield positions uh he actually seems to look pretty good in center field to me too so that's always a plus with with somebody like bubba thompson who you are kind of want to plug and play with he had the second fastest sprint 
speed of all major league batters in 2022 at 30.4 feet per second. I think that's fast. I think that's, that's got to be real fast. I wonder who had the mm-hmm. first. Now I'm curious. Um, I think it was between um, like Bobby Wood Jr. and Bobby Wood. Um, oh, there's someone else and I'm and I'm blanking. And uh, listeners, if you know, please roast us in the comments because we should know these things. But <laughs> who was I mean, my, this was my, in 2022. Yeah. Like who was the fastest in 2022? I, it easily could have been Bobby Witt. We're going to talk some more about him later, so maybe we'll find out before then. But in 37 games last that. season uh, for the Rangers, he batted just 170, uh, 237, 283 with four RBIs and four stolen bases. So you know, he didn't play much, but he was ultimately designated for assignment on August 11th of 2023 following the promotion of J.P. Martinez for the Rangers. And here goes Bubba Thompson on the carousel. So he's claimed off waivers in August of 2023 by the Kansas City Royals. He plays 33 games for the AAA Omaha Storm Chasers, where he hits 259, 313, 410 with four home runs, 17 RBIs, and 11 stolen bases. Here's the thing. I know his numbers aren't like super thrilling by any means, but he's very consistent. And he's still very young. And he's super fast. He's got some on-base skills. He hits the ball hard. So I do think that like he's someone that we just haven't seen full potential from. And if he gets the right opportunity, he could be a guy that you're seeing consistently on a major league roster on October. Guess who was the fastest? Sorry. Side note. Guess who was, who, who was, who was the fastest? Ellie De La Cruz. Oh, duh. Wait. Duh. Like we should have that in 2023. Oh, in 2022. Sorry. Yeah. I thought we were around. That would have been. Yeah. Ellie, obviously in 23. I don't JK, know about 2022, no but no, that, anyway, was, me, that was 2022. That let me, I'll give you 2023. We'll, we'll okay. do that in just two seconds. In October maybe. of 2023, Bubba Thompson was claimed off waivers by the Reds. So maybe he's going to be a Cincinnati Red. Just kidding. Because just after Christmas, he's designated for assignment by the Reds. The New York Yankees pick him up by January 4th. They hang on to him for two weeks at most. Gets DFA'd by the Yankees on January 19th. And now he is a Minnesota twin as of January 24th. And considering that they have Buxton out there in the outfield, and I mean, they're kind of piecing things together while trying to cut payroll. I think this is a guy that you could see play for the twins more often than maybe some other teams that he could have ended up with. And that's why I wanted to you know, mention him today on our 40 man find. Guess guess who the fastest player in 2023 is? I have no Are idea. Guess? Still Ellie De La Cruz. Wait, did he play in 22? Yes, because that was City. That's what that's apparently according to Statcast sprint speed. When I googled fastest player in 2022 in MLB, that's what it gave me in 22. Okay, they but but he didn't play in 2022. I don't know. That's so what it. That's, that's what it gave. Wow. Me. Anyways, anyway, Bubba Thompson but, up there with Ellie De La Cruz. That's a good comparison because if you're, you know, what we might call a casual baseball fan, you can be a fan however you want. I'm not holding that against mm-hmm. you. Not looking down on you. But you might know about Ellie De La Cruz. Bubba Thompson would be comparable to Ellie De La Cruz in terms of sprint speed, and that's yeah. that's something to watch for. Yeah, don't blink. Um, shortstop, shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. In case you were not uh, aware. Okay, so I put in 2022 start year, 2022 end year, 2022. There we go. Now, now, it still is. Well, it's Corbin Carroll. Just kidding. In 2022. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then Bobby Wood Jr. Oh, and then Jose Siri. Look at you, Jose Siri. Anyways, okay. so we had the right guys. Um, apparently, yeah. Apparently, it was. I didn't filter correctly. And, you know, that's just a euphemism for my life, apparently. So, well, that's a good thing to bring everyone's attention to in the day of, in the day, this day and age that we are living in and the internet. It's really easy to search for something and be like, I found the answer. And anyone can put shit on the internet. Just make sure that you got your filters correctly, guys. Make sure you got your filters correctly. So, So we have to talk about the Chicago Cubs because, you know, we can't skip them. Uh, Who'd you pick to feature today? 
on the Cubs. I know you're thrilled. I know you're thrilled with this, Kels. I know you are. It's okay. You can pretend to be thrilled. Just a just a little. Just a little. I um, like who you picked, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm not too mad about it. I'm not too butthurt. Well, yeah. So, you know, we, we have to pander to to the peoples because that's that's how we do on this show. And we are still still trending on the Apple podcast charts for Spain, for Korea and for Japan. Whoa. So I was like, well, guess what? You know what? Who Guess who we're going to pick for the Chicago Cubs? Um, but I did. I did have a moment of weakness and I was going to um, pick somebody else because literally every time I say his name, I have to giggle. And I just, I couldn't, um, I had to be an adult. So, um, Ma uh, Miles Masterboni, you get no, a, no. you get a pass. Cause I, every time, every single time Miles Masterboni comes up to bat, I just giggle like a fucking schoolgirl, And I, all of the just dirty jokes just run through my head. Even I was not above making that joke <laughs> the first time that I, I saw him out there for the Cubs. Yeah. I was like, stop it, stop it. And then I was like, oh, I was like, do I do I pick either one of the hot twin guys? Like, um, because literally Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom look exactly the same to me. They do look very similar. I think yeah. Patrick Wisdom like, is better mm. looking, but both very hot. And I can say that and be like, hey, how are you doing? Because they're more my age than many of the other. That's true. players you that we have talked about. So. That's for sure. So yes, they um they can be on that Diamond Daddies calendar that we're putting together. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Yeah. So um, my guy is Seiya Suzuki for the Chicago Cubs, and he is a 29 year old outfielder um, for the Cubs that came over from the MPB. He was born August 18th, 1994, and he is currently married to. Let's see if I can't not fuck this up, Ari. Hatakiyama. There we go. They got married in 2019 and they have a beautiful baby. I think girl. I have not confirmed that because I keep just seeing child in September of 2022. Um, he's a so Leo. He he's got Leo energy. I love oh, that. Okay. Thing. Does he? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you know, if it's a girl or a boy, please let me know because in all of my Googling, I tried to find out and from the pictures, it kind of looked like a boy, but then I, I thought I saw an article that said daughter, and now I can't find it anymore. So now I don't know, and now I'm going to just say child. Anyhow, okay, but okay. he had that dad, he had that dad energy, and in one of the articles that I read, he said that he came back from paternity leave with a blonde streak in his hair, and he joked that it was from the stress of not being able to sleep from the baby. <laughs> and if you have a kid, Aww. you know, you know. So anyhow, um, he came over from the NPB. From the Hiroshima, Hiroshima, excuse me, Toyo Carp. And he was a five-time All-Star and a six-time NPB Best Nine Award. And I wasn't aware what this was, so I'm going to read you what this is. Mm. This is the best player at each position in both leagues, determined by a pool of journalists. So um, I was like, oh, so it's an All-Star? But apparently it is not. It is a different award. <laughs> mm. um, and then he was a five-time NPB Golden Golden Glove Award winner, and that is awarded to nine fielders based on votes by TV, radio, and newspaper journalists with over five years' experience covering the NPB. So if you are just like a brand-new baby reporter, you don't get to pick. No, no, your vote doesn't count. Five years. So he was drafted in 2012 in the second round, and he mainly was a pitcher in high school. He was drafted as a pitcher. Ooh, mm -hmm. interesting. Got that, got that fastball up there at 92. I was like, all right, look Ooh. at you. Uh, unfortunately, though, he's to an infielder in 2015. And in 2015, uh, he made the opening day starting lineup. And in 97 games, he hit five home runs. And his slash line was 275, 329, and 403. And if you are a newer fan and you don't know what a slash line is, that first number is batting average. Uh, that middle number is on base percentage. And that last number is slug. So basically, a really, really good player, you're hitting 300, 400, 500 as a reference point. So in 97 games, he hit 275, 329, 403, which makes him um, a very good player, just not a very, very good player. Uh, in 2016, he made his first all-star appearance and he led that, that team with a 355 batting average with 26 home runs and a 1.016 OPS, which is okay, on... Okay, 
on base percentage plus slug. So basically anything over a one dot, you're very, very, very good. And helped lead the Toyo Carps to their first pennant in five years. 25 years, excuse me. My thumb was covering the two on my paper. So in 25 years. Yes. Um, in 2017, he received the most votes among center league outfielders um, and made his second consecutive all-star appearance. In August 20, August 23rd, he left with an ankle injury, unfortunately, and then six days later, he was shut down for the season with a, let's see if I can read my own handwriting, a malleolar fracture on his right tibia and a deltoid ligament injury. Ooh. Yeesh. Yeah, I don't. Where's your deltoid? Delt. What's, a, what's shoulder, a deltoid? Shoulder. Shoulder. Okay. Oh. So it doesn't say like what part of the delt? Just, just no. Just says a deltoid ligament injury and a fracture on his right tibia. So his leg and his shoulder was jacked. Golly. Yeah. Um, but he ended up ended he ended that season uh with a three hundred. His slash line was 300, 389, and five forty seven, with twenty six home runs with ninety RBIs. 16 stolen bases, and he led the Central League with a 936 OPS. So just under very, very, very good. And um, in 2018, third consecutive All-Star. Look at you. Say ya. And then I'm going to read the rest of this from my phone because there was just way, way too much to, to actually write down because I'm lazy. You guys all know this, right? I'm impressed though? like you write out anything. Well, know? mainly because I um, cannot... Because there's just like too much to read, you know, like yeah. if I don't here just to like I, pick and choose if I were just to look at it. Yeah. But um, in 2018, he was named for his third all-star appearance and he hit his first home run off of Yusei Kikuchi. He finished that season um, batting 320, 438, 618 uh, with 30 home runs and 94 RBIs. And the Carp won their third consecutive Central League pennant. And then he went on to face the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks and unfortunately lost. But he hit – this is what this is what I need you guys to understand. He hit 10 for 22 with three home runs and six RBIs during the Jap Japanese series. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Look at you, Seiya. In uh, 2019, he won the 2019 uh, MPP Home Run Derby, defeating oh, nice. Oryx Buffalo's outfielder Masataka Yoshida. Hey, four to three that's in the fun. final round. Yep. And in that, se in that season, he appeared in a career-high 140 games, leading the NPB uh, in batting average, 335, on-base percentage of 453, OPS 1.018 with 112 runs scored, which is the first in the Central League, 28 home runs, ranked ninth, 87 RBIs, ranked ninth, and 25 stolen bases, ranked fourth. Wow. After that season, he was awarded his fourth consecutive Best Nine Award and his third Gold Glove. We're just going to skip the 2020 season because that doesn't even count yeah. anymore. Uh, in 2021, he played 132 uh, games for the Carp. For the Carps? Carp? Anyway, setting a career-high <laughs> home in home runs with 38 to go along with 88 RBIs. His slash line was 317, 433, 636. Now, mind you, Seah is... SML. He is like five eleven. Yeah. So the fact that I he is slugging, he a stud. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Look at you, Saya. Um, he was the Central League batting champion and on base percentage leader, and was named an NPB All Star for the fifth time in his career. I was like, okay, Saya. So in following that 2021 season, um, he was posted. You know, and if you're posted by the NPB, you get a 30 day posting window. Unfortunately, the lockout happened, so he was not able to sign. Until Ugh. March, mm -hmm. March eighteenth of twenty twenty two. Oh, so weird. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So basically, mm -hmm. like the window didn't close. They just like yeah, they basically poked it and moved yep. in it. Oh my yep. God. How weird. And so, um, it was it was postponed, and then on March eighteenth of twenty twenty two, uh, Seah officially agreed to a five year contract with eighty five million dollars, and. I found a little funny quote on here and it cracked me up. Um, manager David Ross tricked me before I signed. He told me Chicago isn't that cold, not much worse than Hiroshima. 
When I confronted him, he said it's because he really wanted me. So I realized I'm glad to be on a great team like the Cubs. I'm like, that's shady. That's kind of mean, man. Like, that's like, and I obviously <laughs> don't know the temperature of Hiroshima, but to lie to somebody and tell me, tell them that like Chicago is not cold, like, what are you doing over there? Yeah, I don't um, think there's a whole lot of places that are at least densely populated that are yeah. have worse winters than Chicago does. So, like, just be honest with him and like gift him, you know, a parka and some hand warmers. Come on. Yeah. yeah. All of, all of the layers, just all of the layers. Um, he made his Cubs debut on April 7th and it, he worked a full count walk against Corbin Burns in his first Ooh, MLB plate appearance. Yes. Not bad. He, um, he was the first Cub to make their MLB debut as the opening day starter since Coast. Uh, Kosuke Fukudome in 2008. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that I butchered that name. I apologize. Fukudome, um, right? Yes. And he hit his first major league home run on April 10th, which was a three-run shot off of none other than now Milwaukee ace Freddie Peralta. <laughs> so the Brewers came to town and Seiya said, yes. I'm not waiting. I'm ready to go. MLB. Nope, I got this. Yep. Uh, Suzuki was awarded the NL player of the week for April 11th through the 17th, which was a span in which he batted 412. He went seven for 17, five home runs, excuse me, five runs, three home runs, five RBI, and an OPS of 1.6. His first two weeks in major leagues. He was named oh, wow. NL rookie of the month for April. Um, and then, you know, like he kind of fell off, like people kind of, the book was out on him. He kind of figured it out. Um, and then in, uh, you know, 2023, like, suffice it to say, say I was tired. Say I was very, very tired. And, um, but finally got benched. David Ross benched him. There was, there was a little bit of, uh, not happiness there in Seau's life, but afterwards Seau was said that you know he understood why, um, why he got benched and you know was happy about it and then uh was was fine. And um, let's see, oh, here we go. Sorry, I had another stat up here. He is the Oh, where are you? Seiya is the first Japanese player in MLB history to hit a home run in three consecutive plate appearances. And that happened on Ooh. May 17th in 2023. And um, apparently, you know, they just like to tee off on Astros players because <laughs> guess what? That that game, uh, Astros technically won. I say technically as if that's a thing, but <laughs> we did win seven to six. Where it counts. Seven to six. Yeah. However, there were 13 hits on both sides. Damn. 13. Yeah. I was like, oh, so so basically all of these runs um, were scored via home run for the Chicago Cubs. And apparently uh, Seiya Suzuki just has J.P. France's number because in the first inning, he hit a fly ball to deep left field. Then in the third inning, another fly ball to deep left field, which scored Ian Happ. And then in the, where are you? Seventh inning, I think. Seventh inning, yes. Uh, hit another one. I was like, oh, all right. Like it, okay, perfect. So all of the home runs for Seiya Suzuki off of JP France. <laughs> Or JP France, I feel bad. Wow. Um, but fun, fun side note there. Uh, I didn't realize that the wall out there is an actual brick wall. Like when I started watching, oh, in Wrigley, um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, was, I I was shocked, shocked when I just saw like the ivy, and mm -hmm. one of the guys like didn't, you know, like crash into the wall to crap mm -hmm. to catch the ball and i was like what are you doing and my husband's like why are you yelling that's yeah a, that's a brick wall have, right there yeah they actually have like some baskets that are on the like outside of like surround the outfield wall in the stadium so the guys can't, actually can't jump up and leap and hit it without uh, at least hitting the basket so it kind of okay 
yeah. At least, at least lets them know. Yeah. Um, I was like, wait, why? I, it, it, it blew my mind. I was like, you can't, you can't fucking replace that shit with some like padding. Like, what are we doing? It's just and too goes, historic, Susie. It's too- Mike goes, it's, it's Wrigley Field. No, absolutely not. I'm all, all right. I guess we don't care about player safety. That's fine. Whatever, Cubs. I was, I was mad about it. I was mad. People pay out yeah. the ass in their apartments for that exposed brick, you know? That's true. That is true. Um, so Seiya did not have a great 2023 season, but after the benching, he got a lot better. In his last um 15 games, he hit uh he hit three home runs with 14 RBI, six walks. He had an average of 356, 415 OBP, and a 712 slug. So Coming got back. a lot better. And they're hoping that um, he can kind of help Shota yeah. weather the storm and kind of ease him into, you know, playing every day. Time zones, time zones are a bitch, guys. Like, I don't think you guys understand this because, you know, you know, Japanese players, they don't do time zones. It's just all it's just all one. And so time zones and playing every day is is rough. So that is Seiya Suzuki. That was a good one because that's he's just another player that I, I definitely don't think we've seen the best of yet. And mm-hmm. as you were talking about all his stats from the MPB, like I because of his performance, I mean, primarily in 23. And I mean, he wasn't as exciting, I think, in 22 as Cubs fans like wanted him to be. But mm-hmm. but I mean, the potential is there and yeah, little adjustments again can go a long way. So I totally agree that he's somebody to worth worth keeping your eye on for sure for sure but um Kels, we had uh we had some some hot stove stoving yeah i am good i'm news. warming up i'm yeah. warming up over here things are happening we got and, some good news yeah the first big headline i think of the week had nothing to do with player signings but instead that the angelos family has agreed to sell the baltimore Orioles and baseball fans worldwide rejoiced. Not that we wish anything bad for the Angelos family, but they have not been super enthusiastic owners in terms of being invested in the success of their team and maybe a little bit more invested in lining their pocketbooks. And that's fine. That's, you know, their prerogative, but we're glad to see them moving on to the next phase of, of taking that money with them and letting somebody else spend some money on the Baltimore Orioles. And at least, Susie, you and I can be a little bit more excited about this because uh, we're not in the same division as them. Uh, But look out, because an agreement is in place for the Angelus family to sell the Orioles to a group led by private equity billionaire David Rubenstein for $1.725 billion, which apparently was on the low end. Uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's billion with a with a B people i guess the marlins i forget what year it was that the marlins were sold but it wasn't like that long ago maybe 21 um and they were sold for 1.2 billion so when you think about it that way it's like Mm. oh that does seem kind of low uh but rubenstein's ownership group also includes michael arigetti who's co-founder and ceo of era's management uh, hall of famer and orioles legend cal ripkin jr we love it Mitchell Goldstein and Michael Smith, who are co-heads of the Eras Credit Group, and fa- former Baltimore Mayor Kurt Schmoke, NBA Hall of Famer Grant Hill, entrepreneur and philanthropist Mike Bloomberg, business leader Michael Kang, and other investors. So he's got a whole team of a good variety of people behind him. And this was a little confusing when it first came out because it seemed like the Angelos family was still going to be in control of the team until Peter Angelos, who is 94, who has been incapacitated for some time. Like he has not been the control person of the team for, for some time, but it was his wish that the team be sold instead of being left in control of his sons who are currently running it uh, primarily his son, John Angelos. But uh, yeah, he so he wanted the team sold for someone else to be in control, but part of it for tax reasons so that, again, the Angelos family can walk around with walk away with the most amount of money from the deal is that Rubenstein will initially own 40 percent of the club until the passing of Peter Angelos. And that kind of made it seem like, okay, wait, so are we 
we're like all awkwardly waiting for Peter Angelos to pass on, which is obviously not something that we, anyone wants to wish for, but we do want, you know, this new ownership group to be able to take over. So no, it is not kind of, it's not that kind of like, uh, I forget what the term for it is, but the way like the guardians are going right. through like a period of time where they're kind of like passing the torch. Nope. Rubenstein's going to be the control person as soon as the deal is finalized by major league baseball and its owners. And that is very good news for Orioles fans. And I think we've we've already seen it kind of start to play out here. Do you think the Corbin Burns deal had anything to do with that? I think it was in the works, um, but Michael Elias was not willing to pull the trigger unless he knew that there was going to be some sort of any sort of guarantee or promise of, okay, so I'm not going to trade any of my assets until I know that we can continue and try and build around this core. Because literally when this trade went down, I remember thinking the Orioles are not going to feel this at all. Yeah. They are not going to miss um, Joey, Joey Ortiz and Dale Hall in the least bit. And that is bananas when you, when you think about it, because um they are probably top prospects in over two thirds of the league right now. Yeah. I mean, Joey, and in, the, in the Orioles system, they're like, man, you're blocked. Yeah, Joey Ortiz is probably going to be the starting shortstop for the Milwaukee Brewers because now mm -hmm. they're, you know, putting Willie Adamas out there in the last year of his contract. And yep. yeah, absolutely. They're guys who are going to probably have roster spots on, yeah. on other teams. So yeah, yeah let's sure. start with that. Obviously the Brewers traded right-handed pitcher and dominant ace Corbin Burns to the Orioles. The, uh, the Brewers acquired infielder Joey Ortiz and left-handed pitcher DL Hall. And they also get uh, the 2024 34th round draft pick. So that's an yeah. interesting part of the deal too, that will obviously play out over time. But if you don't know about Corbin Burns, he is a uh, 2021 Cy Young award winner and he has had a 2.86 ERA over the last four years with a 31% strikeout rate. So definitely not a flash in the pan. He has been one of the most dominant starting pitchers over the last four or five years in Major League Baseball, hands down. And to your point, Joey Ortiz and, and D.L. Hall aren't anything to, you know, gawk at. But they, they are going to – they're Major League Baseball players. They're going to be Major League Baseball players. Joey Ortiz played in 15 games at the major league level in 23. He went seven for 33 with a double and four RBIs, but he batted 321, 378 with a 507 slug and 88 triple A games. So he is someone who is a stellar defender. He does have some offensive potential. He's, he's not a slugger, but he's a shortstop. Totally fine. He does hit the ball hard. And this is where you're like, okay, well, yeah, it makes sense. Willie Adamas, mm -hmm. last year of his contract, the Brewers have clearly taken a step back and said 2024 is probably not our year. So this might be an opportunity for him. And then you've got Hall, who's 25. He's appeared at 29 games with one start over the last two seasons. 4.36 ERA and a 3.82 strikeout to walk ratio. CBS Sports has reported that he, like this has been kind of the book on him for some time now that he is, a, he has starter quality stuff and reliever quality command. So that's interesting. But you never yeah. know what a guy like that put into a different system. And he's still young, how things. He is still young. Out. Yep. And he's going to, and I think um, working with some of those pitching coaches up in Milwaukee, I think they're going to figure that out. Um, and if, and if you really think about it, they were not going to resign Corbin Burns. And so if, if, you know, they gave him the, Qualifying, uh, the qualifying offer, which obviously he was going to turn down, right. then they would just get a draft pick back. And now this way, they know they're really not going to contend, kind of, maybe not really. Um, so they get back two amazing players, amazing-ish players, and their um, compensatory pick is going to be right around where they would have picked anyways. So it's, it's like they got a... Like a BOGO kind of. Yeah, totally. I wouldn't get one. Two so. birds and one stone. That's, mm -hmm. a, <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. And I'm sure yeah. that's exactly the way that they looked at it. I think my first reaction to this when you texted me about it 
was because Susie broke the news to me and I, <laughs> my initial reaction was like, man, Cardinals are going to fuck around with mediocrity again and, and still, you know, win the central division exactly the way that they planned it. So in a weird way, I'm like sad because I am so sick of nobody leveling up in the central division to the point where it's just like, well, all you got to do is get in and all you got to do is be mediocre. And I'm, uh, I'm so over it at this point as a fan of the NL central, but I do think it, it works out well for both teams. It makes sense for both teams, even if obviously the Orioles get, get the much bigger upside from it. Right. Well, you know, you only got to win what? 52%, 54%. What was, <laughs> what was uh, Jerry DePoto's uh, quote? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, speaking, speaking of the Mariners, Mariners made uh Mariners made another move and they, they traded with the twins so Mariners gave up uh, right-handed pitcher Justin Topa, right-handed pitcher Anthony DiScalfani, and a minor leaguer, uh, another right-handed pitcher, Darren Bowen, to the Twins for Jorge Polanco. Like, okay, sure. Oh, excuse me. And some cash, $8 million, and a minor leaguer. That, that seems a lot for Jorge Polanco. It I'm does. Like, it does. And it's not just any minor leaguer. Like, Gabriel Gonzalez is rated number five in the Mariners system. So he's expected, he's going to be a power at everyday power hitter, but he's only 20 years old. So yeah, it does. It seems like a load, but when your goal is not just to, you know, set your roster, it's also to save money. That's what the twins but are I'm doing. Like, oh, all right. Jorge Polanco. Wait, what? So I, I don't know. I was, I was, uh, I was a little shocked. So Jorge Polanco has, been a twin since 2014 and he has been around so long that he actually played with now hall of famer joe mauer uh polanco is consistently an above average hitter however a below average defender um he is owed 10 and a half million dollars in 2024 with a 12 million dollar club option in 2025 anthony Scalfani, you may remember him from the giants who made a couple of moves he is another moving piece who's just joined the uh, Mariners from the Giants in the Robbie Ray trade, and he threw 99 and two-thirds innings with a 4.88 ERA in 2023. He is owed $12 million in 24 in the final year of his deal, and the Mariners will send cash to make the deal salary neutral. Justin Topa is a 32-year-old and pitched 69 innings, hello, with a 2.61 ERA for the Mariners last season. And he looks to be a key piece for the Twins bullpen. Um, Twins bullpen is going to be sneaky good. Yeah. Like, really guess, sneaky good. I guess that's their plan. I am I mean, whatever. We're going to dive into all of the all of the teams when some, of, when some more moves get made guys we're still waiting on fucking jordan montgomery and cody bellinger and fucking blake snout we're still waiting on some big moves okay yeah we'll get into we'll get into all of the teams and all of the breakdowns once i guess spring training hits who the fuck knows um <laughs> anyhow it is uh, gabriel gonzalez for like oh, twin fans though because they don't have a lot of players like polanco who are around for that amount of time so i am i am sorry twins fans if you're feeling like you know that one constant piece of your franchise was ripped from you because yeah. that that I think is like the biggest notable thing in this deal to me. But they can still stare at Max Kepler, and that's okay then. So it's 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 all right. Um, yeah, just stare at Max Kepler. You'll be all right. Uh, Gabriel Gonzalez was rated a number five prospect in the Mariners system, and he ex expected to be an everyday power hitting outfielder. Um, he's twenty years old and hits two ninety eight, three sixty one, four seventy six with eighteen home runs. Um, at two of the single A levels in 2023. So uh, got back a haul for, you know, um, a second baseman that they were not, that the twins didn't want to pay. Right. And really and truly the Mariners have Mariners fans cover your ears. I don't want to talk. I don't want to give you guys compliments. So the Mariners bullpen is just freaking filthy as it is anyways. And they're not going to miss, um, Justin Topa's arm like they've that's mm, Mariners I don't actually like you 
Ay, ay, ay. Another one they're that not just gonna about for the intent of both teams, but that's what's in- why it's interesting to kind of talk about it and point out those things because there's so many different reasons why a trade makes sense for, for teams. And so you look at things on the surface level and you're like, well, yeah, why? That seems like a joke, but right. depends on what your goal is. Yeah. So, but speaking of the twins though, uh, Carlos Santana. Big bopper signs with the twins for one year, five and a quarter million dollars um, will be first base DH. And he turned 38 in April, played for the Pirates last uh, Pirates and Brewers last season, added 240 with 23 home runs, 86 RBIs and in 146 games. So um, and he was to see there. Yeah, he was a guardian for, I think, the first 10 years of his major league career. So now that he's back in the division with, with a division rival, yeah. I wonder how the Guardians fans are feeling about that. Are, do Guardian do Guardian fans have feelings? I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like they shouldn't because they just they just know they're like, we don't home runs. What are those? We don't we don't need those. We just need guys that get on base and run. That's, I am I doing know. my Guardians team feature in a couple of weeks. So I'm learning all about the Guardians right now. And I yeah, I mean, I've talked with some Guardians fans recently, so I think they do have feelings, <laughs> which is maybe why I'm thinking about it. But you're right. They they might be better off if they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, Guardians fans, uh, if you're out there. So Justin Turner, though, Justin Turner gets the support of an entire country now. <laughs> entire country. Is there anyone who's more of a Blue Jay than than Justin Turner? The Red Dream. <laughs> One year, $13 million. It includes up to $1.5 million in performance bonuses. And man, it sounds like the Red Sox just like weren't going to bring him back, which I guess I would have said previously, like, is there someone who's more of a Boston Red Sox than Justin Turner? It seems like a good fit there. But we all by at this point have absolutely no fucking clue what the Red Sox are doing. But Justin Turner is not full throttle enough for them. No, no, that they, they I don't think I think they thought that full throttle meant something else. I think that's <laughs> I think that's what happened with the Red Sox. Like, fine. I don't know. Full throttle. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad though, because Justin Turner, like he spent all off season working out there, and I mean they they moved there. Him and Courtney like moved there. They yeah. loved it. They embraced Boston. Boston embraced them. Like I didn't, I didn't know how he was going to move on from being a Dodger, really and truly. Yeah. And in a year, I was like, wait, Justin Turner was a Dodger. Like it felt like Justin Turner was a Boston Red Sox for years. For sure. The way that he embraced Boston and I don't know what the Red Sox are going to do for quote unquote veteran leadership. I mean, I guess Trevor's story step on the fuck up. Like, I don't know what are you doing over there, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And um, speaking of quote unquote veteran leadership, I, I can't even like read this. Um, with with a straight face because what 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 is happening? Like Giants, all the Giants pitchers are like, you know what? We just we just love the Bay Area so much, and the Giants aren't going to resign us, so we're just going to just hop on. We're just going to hop on over to uh, to the other to the other baseball team here. It is weird. A rare trade was made between yeah the two Bay teams, the two Bay Area teams. But Ross Stripling, what a guy! Maybe he's another one that maybe he'll get a chance to start regularly with the A's. I don't know, but he was traded, yeah, from the Giants to the A's for cash and minor league outfield Jonah Cox. He's 34. He's actually older than I thought he was, but he's coming into year two of his two-year $25 million deal that he signed with the Giants a couple seasons ago, and the Giants are actually going to pay $3.25 million of his remaining salary, so the A's will pay the remaining 92 Two five mil. He was used as a swingman, as a lot of people were, or maybe kind of were not sure what they were being used for uh, with the Giants last season. So he had a 7.24 ERA in his first 32 and a third innings last season. Then he went on the injured list with a back strain for six weeks. He came back a little more consistent with uh, his remaining 56 and two thirds innings. He had a 4.29 ERA. 
pedestrian 18.7% strikeout rate and hello, a 2.6% walk rate, which if that's not a statistic that you follow closely, that's pretty damn good. So it looks like he settled in a little bit and he's just one of those guys that I think in any bullpen is like a steady Eddie from 2016 to 2022. He had a 3.78 ERA over 672 innings with the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. So he is somebody who, who you can count on to take the ball when you need him. Do you think he's going to start for the A's? I absolutely think he's going to start for the A's. I mean, he has to, right? I, he's a slot right yeah. in there. Yeah, he. I think it's going to be like Alex Wood and Ross Stripling and um, – who is the big guy? Um, oh, I'm I'm missing names here, but I'm I'm sorry, Ace fans, if you are if you're out there listening to this that I don't have your starting rotation. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have them off the top of my head, but it's but you know it's it's former it's former Giants that are that are going to be there. So look, we'll see. We shall see how that works out. Um, but you know, maybe maybe knowing the role and knowing that he's going to take the ball every fifth day will will help Ross Stripling. We'll, totally. We shall see. We it shall could. see. Yeah. So um Phil Maton, Astros fans will be very aware of Phil Maton and his um killer-esque expressions. He's he's known for not giving any sort of expression. Signs with the Rays. Um there's no contract details yet, but in 68 appearances, he had a 3.00 ERA, um, 74 to 25 strikeout to walk rate. Uh, Astros fans, we all know him because he was our mid-leverage guy. He had a filthy curveball, and I just I can't wait until the Rays pitching lab gets a hold of him and tweaks that curveball. Right. And he is going to be traded at the deadline. So mark my <laughs> words. You will not see Phil Maton with the Rays after the trade deadline. Well, He's going to be it. traded to a contender. Like, uh, yeah, it. especially assuming that they got him on a player-friendly deal, which I'm sure they did. Yep. So we will report more on that when it comes out. But we've got Keenan Middleton, who signed with the Cardinals, which was somewhat unexpected for Cardinals fans. I think we had given up the guarantee of anything else happening. He is 30 years old. He signed a one-year $6 million deal with a club option for 25, which seems to be what the Cardinals are handing out this offseason. Uh, he split time last season with the White Sox and the Yankees. He was 2-2, two and two, over 51 appearances, posted a 3.38 ERA, but he is the thing that I love, that I need, that all Cardinals fans need, that Keenan Middleton has, and that is that 11 0.4 strikeouts per nine innings last year. Give me that swing and miss, baby. I'm not going to even know what it is when I see it as a Cardinals fan. So I'll take it. Yeah. So a couple more relievers uh, go to the Mets. Look at you, Mets, making some moves. Uh, Jake Diekman and Shitaro Fujinami signed with the Mets. Fujinami for $3.35 million, plus uh, up to $850,000 in incentives. Throws high heat, but unfortunately struggles with command. Uh, you may know, remember him that the A's signed him as as a starter last season before, you know. Oh, the, uh, I did not yeah. realize that. Yeah. Yeah, they moved him to the bullpen real Oh, quick. yeah, he didn't have seven starts last season. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 7.118 ERA and 64 appearances with the A's. Um, his FIP at 4.61 suggests he was one of the unluckiest pitchers in MLB during this time. Isn't that um, crazy? That's um, what I like about fielding independent pitching stat yeah. is because it kind of shows like, okay, but how much of it really, how much of your ERA really had to do with you, the pitcher? Okay, but like unluckiest pitcher or the A's infield being back there? That's, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I but again, know. that's not his fault. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we we'll see. We'll see how he does. We'll, we shall see how he does. He was moved to the Orioles at the deadline. Uh, what got that ERA down to a four point eight five with thirty two Ks and fifteen walks over twenty nine and two third innings in Baltimore. Jake Diekman gets one year, around four million dollars, with a vesting option for twenty twenty five. And the Rays did fix him last season. Jake Diekman was um, DFA'd from I want I believe it was the Red Sox, and the Rays picked him up, or maybe they traded him. I I don't remember, but they 
I think the Red Sox did something to him and was like, JK, we don't want you, Jake Diekman. And then the Rays turned around and was like, we'll, we'll take him. We'll fix him. Yeah, come on, come on yeah. over. So um, he will be predominantly used to shut down left-handed hitters. So excited for that. We've got some Yankees musical chairs going on as well. Wandy Peralta signed with the Padres for four years, $16.5 million. And he is your, I mean, he is one of the most steady relievers in the game as of late. From 21 to 23, he threw 153 innings with a 2.82 ERA, 21% strikeout rate, 10.2% walk rate, and 56.5% ground ball rate you're not going to get a lot of hard contact off of wandy peralta and that's something you love to see in any pitcher but especially your middle or late relief guy he did struggle with command at times in 23 but not enough to like obviously skew his numbers too much and i mean good for him getting four years i think he's 32 years old Mm -hmm. Uh, and i I was kind of surprised to see that he got got a longer deal, but the the Yankees are going to miss him. So they actually, right before we recorded, they just finalized a trade acquiring left-handed pitcher Caleb Ferguson from the Dodgers in exchange for left-handed pitcher Matt Gage and right-handed pitcher Christian Zazueta. That's the cool last name. Yeah. Yeah. um, Side side note, are the Padres the Yankees of the West – they just literally just picked up like all of the Yankees, like from that Juan Soto trade. Like there's a yeah. bunch of Yankee pitchers over there now. So maybe Wandy Peralta will be at home. We'll feel at home. Yeah, they are Michael trying Shane. to be like the yeah, like the like beach town Yankees, if that makes sense. Like give me Yankees vibes. I mean, they signed all these stars. Now they're kind of like dealing with the ramifications and trying to be more strategic. I don't hate it. Yeah. I hate it. So, anyhow, sorry. I, that was just a. I was like, wait, Wandy Peralta going from the Yankees to the Padres. It was weird. Yeah. See him, yeah, yeah, on the Padres. But I guess the other uh, big thing that also happened today is that the Kansas City Royals signed their shortstop Bobby Wood Jr. to a big old extension for eleven years at two hundred eighty-eight point seven million dollars. Were you expecting that? Kind of. Not really, though, but kind of. I want to say um, that I read an article uh, a couple months ago saying that Kansas City is trying to get a new stadium built as Ooh, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, if you're trying to get a new stadium built, like you're going to try and lock up your young talent. And who better to do that than Bobby Wood Jr.? And um, so he, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, is the second fastest guy in the league. He's fast. So yeah, but that it's a, it's a big old contract. Like if you're going to give him the, and 288.7.7 million dollars. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, that's the thing. I guess I was more surprised on his end that he agreed to it, but it is potentially worth up to 377.7 million dollars over 14 years. He gets four player opt-outs after years, seven, eight, nine, and 10, which are, late but he's still going to be what like under 30 (laughs) so um yeah he also gets a 7.7 million dollar signing bonus i guess that's where that 0.7 comes from is is seven a a lucky number for him royals fans are you are you out there are you listening um is seven his number like what what's going on here with with the sevens i feel like maybe that's a maybe that's a thing i don't know um but yeah i good good for him um you know so the Salvi contract is going to be expiring here shortly. So, you know, some of that money is going to get off the books and then maybe they can sign some, uh, some younger players around him. Although Royals have had a sneaky, sneaky good off season. You know, yeah. they, they picked up some pitchers, um, you know, so Cole Reagans won't be the only awesome pitcher on that staff. Um, I don't know, Zach Ranky. What are you doing? Are you are you going to hang out in Kauffman Stadium? Who knows? You young guys, come on. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're going to mentor them because you're Zach Ranky. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it's we shall see. Not we shall time. see. Well, so, we made it. We made it through all most of the good heat. We did it. Yeah, yeah. lots of lots of heat, guys. Um, with that, we're going to wrap up. So, 
we've got another fun uh, little guest coming up. So that's why we got to skedaddle on out of here. But before we do, if you're watching this on YouTube, so please hit that subscribe button. Tell all of your friends to hit the subscribe button. Um, like I said earlier in the episode as well, Spain, Korea, and Japan, we're still hanging tough on those Apple uh, podcast charts. USA, I need you to get on board those because that would be delightful. So please give us a five-star rating. Um, leave us a kindly worded review. I would love that. Kelsey would also love that. Kind words only. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, Apple, Spotify, if you're not using your phone and just want to uh, bump up our our listens, that would also be great. Just have it on in the background and just mute it. Like, that's fine, too. OK, I'm just totally fine. I'm just saying. All right. Um, and with that, we will end the podcast. We'll end this episode. Yay. Miss Ball. Hit Enro.